Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Kong Hee. Hebrews chapter 10, from the American King James Version, it says in verse 35, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Can we all read this verse together from the front to the back? Let's all say together starting now. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Now, this word confidence is synonymous with the word faith because faith is the confidence of what we hope for that will actually happen. Faith is confidence. Confidence is faith. So the more you grow in faith, the more you will grow in your confidence. Now, so this, this is vital over here. The Amplified Bible says in verse 35, do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence. Now, notice faith and fear are mutually exclusive. You can't have one and have the other at the same time. Faith makes us fearless. Now, fear makes us faithless. Faith pleases God. Fear displeases Him. Fear pleases only Satan, the devil. So to walk in fearless confidence, our trust in God and our trust in His Word, in His promises, got to be so strong. There is no room or no space for fear, for unbelief, for doubt, for worry, for anxiety. Now, the problem here is this. We know, as we always say, it's easier said than done. Uh, the problem is, every single day, every moment of our daily lives, we are bombarded by negative thoughts from Satan the devil. The devil put thoughts of fear, thoughts of doubt. Through what we see, what we hear, how we feel in our human flesh, and they can easily overwhelm our faith. And when we start losing our faith, we start losing our confidence toward God, toward life, concerning our future. So we lose our confidence in our Lord Jesus Christ and in the promises that He has for us. So that is why verse 35 is followed by verse 36, a very important verse. It says, For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So the Bible says, having faith and having confidence alone is not enough. You have need of patience to back up that faith. You have need of patience to support that faith. Because when our faith is falling apart, when we are losing our confidence, it is patience that's going to hold it together. In fact, the word patience in Greek is hupomone. If you remember, I shared this just before Christmas. Hupomone, which means it is the foundation that undergirds, that supports our faith. It gives the platform, the ground for our faith to stand on so that it can endure and persevere until your answers from God comes. Now, verse 36 says, we have need of patience. So this is an important need in our lives. You have need of patience. Turn to your neighbor on your left and right and say, you got to have patience. 
Faith and patience are absolutely necessary for the promises of God to be manifested in our lives. Now, in the New Testament, when you read the New Testament, and I was amazed when I went through all the verses on, on, on patience, I always see that faith and patience are being mentioned together. More often than not, when faith is mentioned, patience is around. When patience is mentioned, faith is around. So many have called them the power twins. They are together. They are interconnected. And when they are combined together, faith and patience, they release tremendous power, the ability for us to get the results that we desire in our lives. Now, let me define for you what exactly is patience. Now, whenever we talk about patience, or you got to be patient, we have this idea, patience means you endure for a long time until something happens. And we often use that in the context of marriage. Well, how's your marriage? We are not very happy together, but, you know, I'm just hoping for the best and just enduring. And we have this idea as if we are waiting for a long time for something good to happen. Now, let me tell you, in the Bible, patience is more than that. Patience is more than just waiting and waiting and waiting. Patience is the ability to remain constant and consistent no matter what the circumstances may be. So let me define for you. Patience is the ability to remain constant. That means you are not stopping whatever you're doing. So when you say in a Bible sense, I'm patient in my marriage, that means you're not stopping loving your wife. You're not stopping loving your husband. You're not stopping. So when we say we are patient in the midst of all these in our love for God, it means we keep, we keep on confessing. We keep on meditating. We are not stopping. You keep on coming to church. You keep on going to your cell group. You keep on doing what God has started in your life. Now, constant means or consistent means without changing. So you are not changing your spiritual values. You're not changing the DNA you have embraced. You are not changing what God has spoken to you when He started you on this spiritual journey in your life. So patience gives us the power to keep exercising our faith, keep thinking about the promises, visualizing, believing, speaking, confessing, without stopping, without ever changing. So we can persevere and stay in faith, not just to start in faith, but to continue in faith, stay in faith, and end in faith, without ever losing our composure or ever losing our cool. So you stay composed. So that is why when you have patience, you don't lose your temper, not because you endure for a long time, but because you have this staying power of being positive. Faith is positive. Maintaining your composure, maintaining your confidence. So many times the Bible talks about the patience of Christ. We see that, for example, in Thessalonians. We see that in Revelation. It talks about the patience and the comfort of God. God is very patient. Now, why, is, why the, does the Bible talk about the patience of Christ? What is Jesus like? 
Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many of you want to be more like Jesus? Put up your hands, yeah? In other words, we got to have the same kind of patience as Jesus. We are the same yesterday, today, and forever. When it comes to our consecration, our devotion, our commitment, until we hold in our hands what we desire and have seen in our hearts. That means whatever you're praying for, you're praying for healing, you're praying for restoration, you're praying for a breakthrough in whatever area. You see it in your heart. You sense the promise of God given to you, but you will keep on keeping on and keep on believing and praying and expecting until you hold in your hands what you have seen in your hearts. Now, that is what patience is. So whenever Satan throws sicknesses at us or presents us with a financial challenge, maybe a financial situation that may ruin your business or ruin your life, we don't panic. We don't worry like we used to because we have added patience to our faith. So let me give you an example. Your body may be screaming out in pain. The symptoms are all there. You have prayed. You have seen the doctors. And you're wondering, well, God, I'm still sick. Now, it's, it's all right. When you walk in faith, it's all right to, to acknowledge the reality. But we go beyond the reality. We go beyond the symptoms in our body. We say, Father, 1 Peter 2.24 says, By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. Not just I am healed, but I was healed. 2,000 years ago, Father, you sent your son to die on the cross. Jesus took my sickness and my pain away. So in the name of Jesus Christ, I command the sickness, the pain to go. So you keep on keeping on. As long as you could breathe, as long as you're alive, you keep on believing that your healing will come. Patience gives us the tenacity, the determination, the confidence to keep on trusting and persevering in His Bible promises. Now, we are all imperfect people, and we live in a broken-down world that is ruled by Satan and his demons. I mean, how negative can that get? We are imperfect, we live in an imperfect world, and there is a devil, and there's the kingdom of darkness. And so life can be very challenging. And because we all have to contend with four things, and I call them the four T's, and this is the outline, the framework of what I want to share with you today, four T's. We have to contend with tests, with trials, with temptations, and tribulations. Four T's that the Bible talks about. Tests, trials, temptations, and tribulations. So let's look at each one of them. Number one, we will have to face tests. Now, what is a test? Let me define it for you. A test is a way of finding out our strengths and our weaknesses. It's a way of finding out the strengths and the weaknesses of a Christian, of a believer. So you subject something to a test. Some of you have gone through your GCO level test. I know you say it's more like an exam. Yeah, tomorrow you're going to find out the results. 
What are the subjects you are strong at? What are the subjects you are weak in? Now, this is done by God Himself. So a test has a positive end and is not accompanied by afflictions or by tragedies. No good teacher sets a test so that you could fail. You, we have a lot of teachers in our church. Just, just tell them, they are not happy when their students fail because they will get called up by the department heads. And then the Ministry of Education will call up the school if too many students are failing. Every teacher sets a test in order to check the strengths and the weaknesses and to help the students to pass so that they can get promoted and go on to the next level. And let me tell you, I always believe, thank God for brand new years. Every new year is a new way to refresh ourselves and to expect God again to do greater things in us. And every year, God will take us from glory to glory. And no matter what tests you have gone through last year, God has tested you and He wants to pass you so that your promotion will come. This time, turn to somebody in front and behind you and say, 2016 is the year of your promotion. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So God tests us so as to promote us. Now look at Job 23 and verse 10. But he knows the way that I take. Who knows? God knows. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. You see that? Yeah, no tragedies, no afflictions. When you pass the test, you're going to get better, purer, stronger, more precious. A good example is the man Abraham. Genesis 22, verse 1. Now, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. See who conducts the test? God. God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, verse 2, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah. Moriah means vision. God wants to always take us higher to a place of vision and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So it was God himself testing Abraham, wanting to know his strengths and his weaknesses. Or let me rephrase it this way. God wants Abraham to know what are his own strengths and to be able to work on his own weaknesses. So this was a test. Now, God had already provided an offering of a ram for the, for the altar. Of course, Abraham didn't know. You see, God didn't set this test to fail him or to damage him. I mean, at the end of the day, God was not really going to kill off Isaac. God already provided a ram. But as Abraham went up the mountain this way, God had a ram going up this way, Abraham couldn't see the other side. He couldn't see the end of the test. So he got to walk purely by faith. Now, by now, Abraham had gone through and passed many tests throughout his life. He's about 120 years old right now. Isaac was, was probably 18 to 20 years old at this moment. Abraham had gone through the pain of separation from his homeland from his families, from his custom, his culture, his tradition, 
He has already passed the test of faith from his early years. And then he got to experience the test of separation from his nephew, Lord, whom he loved. And then he was separated from the past mistake of Hagar and Ishmael. So he had gone through many tests. And then, of course, he waited 25 years for Isaac, his promised son, to come. By then, he was 100 years old. And here, God wanted him to offer up his one and only son, Isaac, whom he loved as a burnt offering. Abraham's faith and loyalty in God was so strong. Church, listen. It defies logic, right? Your one and only son, whom you've been waiting your whole life, and God wants you to offer him as an offering, basically to kill him. It defies logic. But yet his faith in God was so strong. His loyalty was so great. He put him on the altar. He lifted up his dagger. He was about to plunge it in. And God came in the form of an angel and God stopped him. So let's look at verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Can you see this is a test? Abraham, you passed the test. So your promotion will come. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. Now notice, it was Abraham's patience, right? It was his ability to keep on keeping on, not stopping in trusting God, not changing in his love for God, even when it means to sacrifice his one and only boy. It was his patience that made him the father of many nations. That's why he's so special. That's why Abraham was unlike, and there was no one like him in his generation. And God made him the father of our faith. When you come to the gospel in Matthew 14, the disciples were in a boat, caught in a storm. 3 a.m. in the morning, you know this story, I preached this before, Jesus came walking on the water. Now, it was a test, because this was the second time the disciples were in a boat, caught in the storm, except this time, Jesus was not in a boat with them. Now, we pick up the story, Matthew 14, and verse 28, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, look, this was a test. Not just the disciples, but this was a special test for Peter. Peter is going to find out his own strengths, and he's about to find out, more importantly, his own weaknesses. Now, let me, let me tell you this. Peter's strength was his faith. Look, of all the 12 disciples, he was the only one. He didn't just scream out, Jesus, save us. 
He said, Jesus, if you can walk on water, I can walk on water. But I need a word from you. Speak the rhema. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. Jesus, say the word and I will obey and I will walk on the water with you. You know, in history, there's no one else that have done what Peter did. His strength was his faith. His strength was his faith. Confidence in God. Confidence in the words of Jesus Christ. All right? So Jesus says, Peter, I give you permission. Walk on the water like me. With that word, he started walking. The only human in history, apart from Jesus Christ, that have walked on water. His faith was his strength. But this test also revealed his weakness. Verse 30, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you are little faith, why did you doubt? Now you say, how can you, Pastor Kong, say that Peter had faith? Jesus said your faith was little. Listen, it was not little in quality. Remember, all we need is a little mustard seed of faith. We can speak to the mountain. Peter just needed a word and he was walking on the water. Right, none of us here have ever walked on water. So don't you ever criticize Peter. His faith is much stronger than ours. The little faith is not problematic in quality. The problem was in the duration. It was only a short burst of faith. It couldn't last. So he had powerful faith, but it was little in a sense. It couldn't last for the whole distance. So he had no staying power. As a result, he began to sing. What was his weakness? He has yet to develop patience. He couldn't keep on believing. He allowed fear to come in. So the ability to keep the faith, the ability to have patience added to your faith, that's the key to success in life and in ministry. And Peter realized that day, I have faith, but my faith couldn't have, didn't have staying power. Now, when you come to the last letter of the Apostle Paul, see Peter and Paul, after Jesus, there are the two great apostles. Now, Paul writes this. This is his last letter. This is his final word. And he wrote to his disciple Timothy, 2 Timothy 4 verse 7. What did Paul say? I have fought the good fight. Now, what fight was Paul fighting? Who was he fighting? He was not fighting a human. And he recognized I'm not just fighting the devil. It was the fight of faith. The, right, the first epistle of, of Timothy, he says, fight the good fight of faith. Now, he says, I have fought the good fight. That means every day I got opportunity to give up. I got opportunity to doubt. I got opportunity not to have faith anymore. But I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Now, look, I have kept the faith. I have kept I have staying power. I have not stopped. I have not changed in my believing. You see, friends, Paul suffered like very few people have suffered. There was intense pressure for him to give up. Remember, it was Paul that says, do not be wary in well-doing. 
right? For in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. Now, how come Paul was able to say that? Because he experienced that. He could have given up. But he kept the faith. And it was his patience that made him the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul never stopped. Paul never changed. He never lost his confidence in Jesus Christ or in the Word of God. And because of Paul's missionary endeavors, the gospel went throughout the world and came even to us. We will not be Christians here today if it's not for the ministry of Paul. He brought the gospel to the whole world. Come on, let's give God a big hand. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, go ahead and give God a big hand. Hallelujah. So the first thing we have to contend with is test. And you and I will be tested. And remember, God sets a test in order to promote us. Now, number two, you have a trial. Now, what is a trial? A trial is a way of finding out our strengths and our weaknesses as well. But a trial is conducted by Satan the devil. And usually, it is accompanied, almost mostly it's accompanied by afflictions. It's accompanied by tragedies, an accident, right? Maybe a tsunami, an earthquake, senseless tragedies. You happened to go back home one day or, and suddenly a car came and rammed into you and, and, and you have an accident and you know, you suffered tremendous pain and injuries. Let me tell you this. All these tragedies, they didn't come from God, right? God sets tests, but God doesn't set a trial. Now, Job went through a very difficult trial. Satan the devil, remember it's not God. Satan the devil in one day destroyed all his ten children and destroyed his entire business. And it's from the devil. So it's conducted by Satan, but it's allowed by God. It's allowed by God. God allows it. And I'm going to explain to you why. You're going to see this. All right? For example, there's a young man in the Bible. His name was Daniel. Daniel was a Jew, but he was taken captive and became an exile in the land of Babylon. Now, as a young man, Daniel quickly moved up the ranks in the Babylonian government, and pretty soon, by Daniel chapter 6, he became second in command in the whole empire. Now, that's a big achievement for a Jewish exile in a foreign land. You see, but God had given him favor in the marketplace. 2016 will be the year of favor for you, right? Because you're walking with Jesus in your studies, in your work, in the marketplace. So, this time, turn to somebody on the left and right and say, you will have favor in the marketplace. <laughs> yeah, amen. But let me tell you this. When you have God's favor upon you, people will get jealous. So many became jealous of Daniel's success. So they started plotting. They, they tried to find dirt on him. They want to pull him down. They want to cut him off. So the plot was this. They followed Daniel, and they realized three times a day, Daniel would pray to God. Three times, every single day. In the morning, at noontime, in the evening, Daniel would pray. So the plot was this. They got the king of Babylon 
to sign a decree, an irrevocable decree, that for the next 30 days, no one is allowed to pray to any other god. No one was allowed to pray for 30 days. And they knew, right? Daniel, if he started praying, he's going to get into trouble. He'll be thrown to the lion's den. Now, Daniel was faced with a dilemma. He worked for the king. Obviously, he liked his boss. He respected the king. He didn't want to do anything that would dishonor the king. But violating the decree would mean that he would die. He'll be ripped apart by hungry lions. What would you do if you were Daniel? What would you do? Your boss, who is a powerful man, whom you respect highly, have set a company policy. You couldn't do certain things, or you must do certain things, that will compromise your devotion to God. Will we buckle under pressure? Will we start compromising? Or will we stay the course, keep the faith, add patience to our faith, remain unchanging, unstopping in our devotion and consecration to the Lord that we love? Well, look at what Daniel uh, did. In Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Now look at this guy. The moment he signed, the moment he saw the king, I can imagine the king sitting behind his desk with all his advisors, with all those that crafted the decree, and he signed it, he put his seal, Daniel saw it, Daniel looked to him, smiled and said, King, I need to take half day off. <laughs> Went back home, opened the windows in full view of everybody, knelt down and started praying. Boy, you can imagine his enemy saying, so defiant. This guy is rebellious. Yeah, what do you think he's doing? See, Daniel remained constant. He remained consistent and confident in God and in His Word. And he prayed just like he had done before. He refused to operate in fear. Fearless confidence. And the result, God honored Daniel's faith and patience. He was thrown into the lion's den, but God sent an angel and shut their mouths. And all these lions became pussycats. And guess what happened to all the enemies that conspired against him? They were later thrown into the same den with the same lions and they were ripped into pieces. You see, friends, you know, when you have the power twins of faith and patience, you will inherit all the promises and the vision God has given into your life. Let's give God a big hand. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So why does God allow us to go through something Satan is seeking to, to bring into our lives? Well, the Bible gives us the answer. James chapter 1, and let's look at verse 2. My brethren, my brothers, my sisters, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So trials can come in every form of shape and sizes. Now, count it all joy. 
So trials and difficult times should not destroy your joy in the Lord. Because the joy in the Lord, come on, talk to me, is my strength. Right? Now, joy is not like happiness. Happiness is dependent on your outward circumstances. Right? You have, so you, you have your birthday celebration, they give you a cake and they say, happy birthday. A new year came and you, they, you say, happy new year. You got a raise. You feel happy. Your favorite soccer team win the game. You feel happy. But happiness is short-lived. It's fleeting because our circumstances changes all the time. So when it's over, it's over. But joy is something born of the Spirit. Right? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So joy is eternal. It stays with you on the inside. You have a deep sense of peace and contentment that all is well between you and your God. So count it all joy. Even when you go through various satanic, demonic trials meant to bring afflictions and tragedies into your life, count it all joy. Now, why? Verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So let me tell you, patience is not a gift. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It is something that has to grow from within. And it only grows when, you, when your faith is being tested. Now, the Amplified Bible says this, Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. So when we are in a trial, when you're going through a challenging situation, your faith will be tested. My faith will be tested. Are we going to be single-minded in believing God's promises to our lives. You see, faith is single in focus. Only believe. You only believe. You don't get distracted by other things. You only believe. Or are you going to be double-minded by allowing doubts to cause you to have two minds? Only tested faith is proven faith. The proving of your faith produces patience. A proven faith. That means your faith works. How do you know your faith works? Unless you can exercise it. Unless you can try it out. Do you have a faith that can heal sickness? Do you have a faith that can overcome depression? Do you have a faith that can pull you over a financial difficulty? Do you have faith for your marriage? You will never know unless your marriage is on the rocks. Unless it's being tested. Once our faith is proven in a certain area, that area will never challenge you again. Once their faith is proven in a certain crisis, in future, if the same thing happens, it will never cause you to worry, to be anxious, or to be in doubt or stress you out. Now, let me give you an example. We are attacked by dangerous viruses and bacteria, and certain viruses can kill us. But God has created our body to be such a wonderful machine 
When we have a viral attack, our body produces uh, antibodies. And those antibodies make us immune to those viruses. So you can be sick for a short, short while. For example, you got chicken pox, right? How many of you got chicken pox before? Put up your hands, right? Right? You got chicken pox. And your body started producing antibodies. Yeah, you have this mark here, that mark in all over your face. And then when you are cured of the chicken pox, those antibodies, they don't go away. They stay in your system for the rest of your life. So once you got chicken pox, it is unlikely you'll have another outbreak again. Doesn't mean the virus and the bacteria are not there. But you have immune yourself to these attacks. So that is why people that, that successfully overcame missiles, uh, missile, missiles, mums, smallpox, even meningitis in certain cases, once you get cured of that, you never get it again. You see, your body produces antibodies. Similarly, when we successfully go through a season of testings and trials, we are inoculated against fear, worry, doubts, unbelief. And that's why we are able to say, all things work together for good for those who love Him and call according to His purpose. Because what the devil meant for evil, God will turn it around for our good. Come on, give God a big hand. Hallelujah. What good happens to us? A spiritual antibody called patience is developed. And when you have faith and patience, you will inherit the promises of God. You become very bold and very confident, right? Verse 4 says, And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So the end result of patience is not just that you can endure the suffering for a long time. It's not that. The end result of patience is that you become a mature Christian. You are lacking nothing, or lacking in nothing, lacking nothing. That means you are deficient in no areas. You are mature in every way, in every situation of your life. You become a mature Christian, a strong man and woman of God. How many of you want to be a strong man and woman of God, right? Well, let's give God a big clap. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Hallelujah. So think about it. The last five and a half years, you have gone through severe testings and trials. And look how strong you have become. Yeah? Look how strong have you compared to many others. You have never gone through what you have gone through. You have developed spiritual antibodies called patience. And it's going to cause all the promises and visions and dreams that God has given to you and to our church to come to pass and we will inherit it in our lifetime to serve the purpose of God in our generation. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, go ahead and give God a big hand. Somebody shout hallelujah. Test, trial, number three, temptation. A temptation is Satan enticing our own fallen desires to sin. All right? It is Satan enticing our own 
fallen desires. So all of us, we're not perfect. Some of, of us could be weak in the area perhaps of sexual lust. Some could be weak in the area of selfishness and pride. No, maybe uh, you tend to brag a little bit too much. Uh, some people, uh, perhaps in their fallen flesh, they are weak in the sense, in the, in the area of uh, perhaps, uh, let's see, gold, girls, glory. Financial things. Maybe you have, you have fear over a lack of money. So constantly you're thinking about money, 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 and, and material things. So the devil knows where we are weak at. Now let's look at verse 12, same chapter, James chapter 1. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So endures temptation. Patience gives us the power to overcome temptation. To make us constant, consistent, confident in believing God, in the promises of His Word, and we will triumph in Christ over every temptation that we face. Now, let's understand a little bit about temptation. Look at verse 13. All right, I, I'm tired of hearing my own voice. Let's all read together. Verse 13, studying now. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. Now, temptations don't come from God. So don't ever say, well, God is testing me through this temptation right now. No, 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 no. Friends, the Bible calls Satan the tempter. But we can't just blame the devil. Now look at the next verse. Let's all read together verse 14. But each one is tempted. Come on together. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and ties. Listen. If you don't have a problem in sexual lust, you will never be tempted in that area. If you have no problem with pride, you will never be tempted in that area. If you have no problem with material lack, you will never be tempted in that area. Satan knows where are our bruises, right? For example, if I got a bruise, you know, and the other day I, in one of my mission trips, I, I knocked myself against one of the vehicles. So I got a big bruise on my knees. Now, if you press any part of my body, there's no pain. But you press the part that's blue-black. Ah! Satan knows where to press. He knows where to attack. Verse 15, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full-grown, brings forth death. Satan only attacks us in those areas that we are weak in, areas of lust, areas of pride, areas of greed. I just read a report. Do you know, in America, Bana Group did a survey. One in two men are, uh, sorry, one, 22%, one in five men in the church among Christians are addicted to pornography. 22% of all Christian men Addicted to pornography. I think it's only less than 4% for women. So you ladies, you are strong. <laughs> Sometimes we feel very discouraged. We feel like, oh God, how can we ever overcome? How can we ever have victory and triumph over our temptations? 
Look at 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. This is a powerful verse. All right? No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Now, I know Satan will tell you, look, how could you do this? You are the worst in the whole world. Listen, every temptation is common. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. And here's the good news. God will never allow us to be challenged beyond our ability to handle that challenge. You will handle it. You will triumph over it. Now, it says, but with the temptation, we'll also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. The Amplified Bible says that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. See that word? Patience gives us the power to triumph over every temptation. You can triumph over greed. You can triumph over pornography. You can triumph over alcoholism, over, sick, over, over nicotine. You can triumph over any addiction. You can triumph over pride and selfishness. Listen, that means how? You've got to not stop meditating on the Word. You've got to not stop praying. You've got to not stop coming to church. You've got to not stop worshipping. You cannot change your spiritual conviction and values and try to justify your own failures. Well, you know what? Maybe God has become modern. Well, this is the 21st century. Everybody does it, right? So I guess it's, it's fine. No, you don't change. You don't stop doing what you're, you're doing. You keep trusting God for the victory and you will triumph. God will always cause you to triumph in Christ Jesus over the temptation. Come on, go ahead and give God a big clap. Hallelujah. Test, trials, temptations, the final one, tribulation. Now, a tribulation is a severe suffering and hardship because of all the above. Because you've gone through tests, trials, temptations, and the suffering is severe. Now, when the suffering is painful and severe, you're going through a season of tribulation. You're going through a very difficult time. And let me encourage you this. Romans 5, verse 3, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. You say, huh? How can we give glory or how can we be happy in tribulations? Knowing that tribulation works patience. And patience, experience, and experience, hope. When you go through a tough time, you gain experience. And when you handle the experience successfully, you have a vision. You have hope. I can do this. I've done this before. God, you help me through this. I know we can go through it. You see, this is very important. Trials and tribulation. They develop patience. Now, let me say this. Trials and tribulations don't produce faith. I remember when I was in Bible school, Bible school professors and lecturers used to say, oh, you want more faith? You've got to have more trials because trials produce faith. Listen, faith comes by hearing the Word, not by trials. So you better develop faith in good times. Don't wait until trials and tribulations develop your faith. When everything is peaceful, you sign up for Bible study class next week. You say, oh, I'm not going through a trial. 
especially because they're not going, it's the beginning of the year, you feel good, you feel free, sign up. We have eight courses, the next one, there'll be 16 courses, go ahead and give God a big hand, sign up for the class. Amen. Turn to your neighbors in the left and right, say sign up for Bible class. Listen, my boy is 11 years old, he's signing up for a Bible class. Church introductory course. So he came to ask uh, mommy, ask son, say, mom, can I go for church introductory course? You think it's good for me? I said, I think so. I think it's, I know the author that wrote that course. <laughs> so you got to develop faith by the word before there's any testing, before there's any temptation, before there's any trial or tribulation. All right? Now, so patience. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Now, when I was growing up at, at Katong area, in my dad's home, we have a small little garden uh, right in, in front of our house. And my dad wanted a mango tree because my dad loved mangoes, uh, loved mangoes. Now, this mango tree wasn't very cooperative. We grew it for seven years and no fruit whatsoever. So I really hated gardening because since I was young, I was in charge of getting rid of all the worms. In order to help the mango tree produce the fruit, we got to bring fertilizers. Boy, they are smelly. They are dirty. And I hated doing gardening with fertilizers on the ground. But fertilizers are necessary. Patience is the fruit of the Spirit. And the smelly fertilizers are the trials and tribulation. We don't like it. But without them, you can't develop patience. So the testing of our faith in tribulations produce patience. It is what we do in our believing, in our speaking, in our trusting. How we use our faith in the midst of sufferings, in the midst of depression, in the midst of hardships that makes the difference. Not just the fact that you are suffering. You can go through suffering and learn nothing. It's how you exercise your faith. Then you learn something. Then you develop something. Patience without faith has no substance. It's, faith is a substance. Faith is what makes your suffering worth its while. Because when you're tested, it develops the fruit of patience. In Luke 21, Jesus speaks of the great tribulation. I mean, this is suffering like no other time in history. Very difficult times. He says you will hear wars and rumors of wars. There'll be earthquakes and disasters in, in many places. There'll be epidemics, pestilences, diseases. And then he make an amazing statement, a short statement. Luke 21 verse 19. By your patience, possess your souls. So patience gives us the handle to have a grip of our souls so that we don't fall apart. We don't break into pieces. When we go through a difficult time, patience is produced to make us stronger in God. So we don't panic. We don't break down. We don't become a mess. And we are not carried away by every wind of strange doctrine. And instead, we have a strong spiritual steel a spiritual backbone to be constant and consistent and confident no matter what the outward circumstances may be. 
I want to end by asking you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6, and I want you to look at verse 12. Before we took our Christmas season break, this was where I, I started from. Hebrews 6 and verse 12. Can we all read together starting now? That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. There you have the power twins. Through faith and patience. Now, receiving the promises of God requires us to be diligent. Not sluggish. Don't start this year sluggishly. Right? Let's not become disinterested or lazy. Every day we are alive, just live every moment, every second, every minute for Jesus Christ. Here in verse 12, the context has to do with Abraham. Abraham was not sluggish. So imitate those. And who are the those? Abraham. Verse 13. Can we all read together starting now? For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now what did Abraham do? No matter how impossible his situation looked, the deadness of his body, the deadness of Sarah's womb. He was 100 years old. Sarah was 90 years old. It looked so impossible. And don't forget, Abraham had gone through a lot of heartache in his family. Sarah and Aga could not get along. Ishmael and Isaac could not get along. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of difficulties. But no matter how challenging life is, by faith, he was looking forward to a city with foundation, whose builder and maker was God. Abraham remained constant. He remained consistent. He remained confident in the promises of God. And mind you, he didn't have the Bible. He only had promises that he heard from the Lord and he thought about it. He considered it. He visualized it night and day and day and night. He believed with all his heart and trusted in the Word of God and he kept speaking. He changed his name, changed the name of the wife. He says, I'm no longer Abraham. I'm Abraham. I am a father of many nations. My descendants will be like the sand on the seashore, like the stars in the sky. Not wavering for a single moment. Abraham was fully convinced that God is able to perform all that he has promised. Friends, God wants us to be like that. 2016, I believe, many of the promises God has given to you, God has given to me, is going to come to pass. Being a Christian doesn't exonerate us from challenges. Jesus Christ himself says, the rain will come. The flood will rise. The wind will hit us from every side. But those who come to His Word, those who read His Word, who obey His Word, who believe in His Word, only those will build their house on the solid rock. You see, meditating, visualizing, believing, confessing, speaking, having corresponding action, acting on the Word. That's why faith and patience are so important. Without the power twins, our lives 
will fall apart. And you know why last five and a half years this church has not fallen apart? Because we have added patience to our faith. And I believe we will inherit the promises of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go ahead and give God a big hand. I believe with all of my heart, I believe. What, what is one of the promises that God has given to us? What is, I want all the singers, musicians, just come to the stage. What is the promises that, that God has given to us? That God will raise up this church to serve His purpose in our generation. Yeah, that this church has been raised up by God for the whole of Asia. And you know what? Just, just this last two weeks, right after Christmas, right after Christmas Day was Friday, Saturday, my family took a flight to Japan. No, Japan is only 1% Christian, 1%. Singapore, according to the last census, is about between 18 to 19 percent. Japan, 1 percent, 1 percent Christian. We went to Fukuoka Church. Can we just uh, show the picture? And man, it was the church in revival. And all the leaders there, they're all SOT trained. And I tell you, the amazing thing is this, you know, and Japan is going through a transition time because all the senior pastors, they are either dying or retired, they're all elderly people. I went to a church, 50 years, 58 members, 50 years. And, and the, the, the senior pastor died. The son is an SOT graduate who married one of our members, Singaporean. And the church is amazing in Osaka, amazing. And everywhere we went, many of the leaders said to us, say, Pastor, City Harvest Church is our model. Please come and help us bring a revival to Japan. Yesterday in our service, there was a 33-year-old Japanese man from Okaida who just became a senior pastor of his church. 33 years old. After the service, he met me and I, he said, Pastor, I'm 33 years old. I said, oh, that's a good age. That's the age Jesus became the Savior. He said, Pastor, 10 years ago, 2006, I was here as a youth hearing you preach. City Harvest Church is my model. From Japan, we went to Thailand. Thailand, 0.5% Christian, 0.5. First time I'm preaching in Thailand. I went to this church, the largest church in, in Phuket. And just amazing. This pastor came, he and his wife came for our first Asia conference, 2008. He was so impacted. Two years later, 2010, he brought his entire leadership to our church. 20 over of them came to City Harvest, our Asia conference. I met him. I never seen him before. So he picked me up from the airport. First thing he said, he said, DNA of City Harvest Church, our DNA. Paradigms of City Harvest Church, our paradigms. I went to his church, amazing. Now, his church is the largest in Phuket. So next time you go Phuket for holiday, go to his church. Yes, his church has about 400 members. But listen, he's 16 years old. But in 16 years, he has built 40 churches in 20 provinces. Now, some of the churches are small. Some of the churches is like, it's smaller than a cell group in our church. You have 30 members. I think he has a church, only 10 members. But this is Thailand. His goal is by 2020, 
He wants to have a church in 77, all 77 provinces of Thailand. He said, Pastor Kong, please help me. He said, we are praying for you night and day, night and day, night and day. When all this thing is over, you must come and help me. Let's have revival in Thailand. I said, amen. I said, amen. I said, amen. Come on, go ahead and give God a big clap. Let's live each day pleasing God. Let's live each day adding patience to our faith. Not stopping, not changing. Confident in Jesus and in all the promises of His Word until we hold in our hands what we have seen by faith, the Word of God in our hearts. How many of you in this room, in this uh, arena this morning, there are visions and dreams and miracles that you've been praying for that have yet to happen. You're sick in your body. You need a breakthrough. Your husband and wife, you're fighting all the time. You say, oh God, would there ever be peace? Would there ever be, can I ever fall in love with my husband, my wife again? Maybe some of you are going through a challenging time. You're facing financial ruin in your life. And you say, God, when is the miracle coming? When is the, is the contract coming? When are the clients coming? I, we are sinking. And this morning, the first, my first sermon for you is add patience to your faith. God allow you to go through this, not to destroy you, but God allow you to go through this so that the testing of your faith will produce patience. And faith and patience will cause you to inherit all the promises of God, just like Abraham. How many of you have visions and dreams that are yet to come to pass, but you believe 2016, it will happen and you're going to have patience for it to happen. Put up your hands right now. If you believe that, wave both your hands and shout a little bit. Let's all stand up on our feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So let's get into the Holy Spirit. Let's speak in tongues right now all over this room. Just look at Pastor for a moment. I was in Japan in that service and they have maybe about three, four hundred people in the service. God gave me a word. Somebody here has a hearing problem. And I didn't know there was uh, one pastor's daughter She's in her 20s and she had hearing problem for one year. One year, she had ringing in her ear that couldn't stop. They've seen doctors taking medication. And that day, she put her hands on her ear and was instantly healed. And the ringing was gone. She was so excited. I mean, let's give God a big hand. Hallelujah. I gave her word. Someone had breast cancer. And then there was one lady there in, in a room of maybe just 300 people and she had breast cancer and suddenly she felt the power of God and God was healing her breast of that tumor I believe this morning if you're sick in your body put your hands on that part that is sick oh hallelujah if you got a tumor put your hands on the tumor right now whether it's in your lungs you have cervical cancer put your hands over there you have cancer and ovary Jesus can heal you got liver cancer put your hands on your liver you got uh, cancer in your stomach and abdomen cancer or tumor in your throat in your nose put your hands on the tumor right now whether is it benign whether is it malignant you got leukemia lymphoma put your hands on the part you got eye problem ear problem put your hands on that part that is sick you got insomnia put your hands on your head you got depression 
Oh, you're feeling depressed. Put your hands wherever, in your heart, on your head, right now, wherever you are. Let's believe God in the name of Jesus Christ. I command every sickness to go. I command spirit infirmity go. Don't be discouraged. Keep on believing. Keep on praying. Do not lose heart. God is for you. He will cause you to triumph over the affliction, over your sickness. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Be healed, be healed. Be healed right now. In the name of Jesus. Depression, go in the name of Jesus. Suicidal tendency, go in the name of Jesus. Darkness, leave right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. One of the best things we can do. Abraham gave glory to God. Not wavering in his faith. He gave glory to God. Let's just worship God right now. God is a wonderful Father. He loves us, His children. Let's sing right now. you just to receive a general prayer the Bible says that those that are sick those that have need you come to the leaders of the church and as they lay hands on you as they anoint you with oil a miracle is gonna happen this morning we don't have anointing oil we didn't prepare for that but I want all the cell group leaders and all the board members the church full-time staff just come and quickly just come to the front form a line over here let's give all of them a big clap all these Amazing leaders of City Harvest, quickly come, quickly come, all the cell group leaders, wherever you are, where two or three agree together, touching whatever or here on earth, it shall be done by the Heavenly Father in heaven. Quickly come right now. Now, go ahead and give them a big hand one more time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all the leaders. Father, I pray. This morning, I just pray right now for all the leaders of City Harvest Church. I pray that there'll be a fresh anointing. 2016 is a brand new year. A fresh anointing for a brand new year. I pray for every board member. I pray for every church staff that you speak to them in visions and in dreams. I pray that the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit will come upon them like never before. Church, can you stretch your hands to all our leaders here right now? Just stretch your hands towards them in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. New wisdom. Oh God, I pray for peace in your hearts. I pray that they have the wisdom to juggle their work in the marketplace and serving you as volunteers in the house of God. A double portion of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 2016, a new presence of God, a new anointing in all their lives. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, all of you that put up your hands, you have a need, you have a vision, a promise that have yet to come to pass. 
this morning as we sing this song from the first dance one more time I want you to quickly come and I want you to share very in a very short way because the Bible says where two or three agree it shall be done so we're gonna keep on praying we're gonna keep on praying until you get and hold in your hands what you're believing in your hearts so as we sing this song you quickly come all those of you that have needs that have visions and dreams that yet to come to pass I want you to come and let the leaders pray with you. Let's sing from the beginning, shall we? Hallelujah. Just come right now.
that He will forgive all our iniquities. He will heal all your diseases. He will redeem your life from destruction and crown you with loving kindness and tender mercy. And you will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Jesus heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. The Word of God says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline my ear to my saying. Do not depart uh, from your do not let them depart from your eyes but keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh the word of God God sent his word to heal all our diseases God sent his word to deliver our life from destruction let's just pray in tongues right now all over this room only believe only believe, only believe. God, let there be a miracle. Let there be a financial miracle. Let there be a miracle in our families, in our marriage, in our home. Lord, we believe. Don't be tired. Don't stop. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on glorifying. according to His riches and glory 
by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. It says, And His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. 2 Peter 1.3. And the Word of God says in 3 John 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. 2016, City Harvest Church, my prayer is that you will prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Just lift up your hands, just talk in tongues, just a little bit more. Prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Jesus, that we will prosper in all things, in our church, in our cell group, in our walk with you. Lord, we'll grow in our spiritual life. In 2016, we'll hear from you more. We'll be more sensitive to you. We'll overcome and triumph over every temptation and victory over every trial and every tribulation. We'll prosper in all things, oh God, prosper in our home. Our marriage will be strong and happy and committed, filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah. that rash is gone, that pain in your body, 
pain in your neck, in your back, it's gone. Strength coming back into your life, you can exercise. I want you to see yourself happy in your home life, peace at home. No more quarreling and fighting between husband and wife. Your rebellious children is coming back to the house of God, the presence of the Lord. Everyone at home enjoying each other, having wonderful dinners. This Chinese New Year will be the best Chinese New Year renewing, reunion. All the strife is gone. Your family, your parents coming to Christ. Your dad, your mom, your grandparents coming to the house of God to worship Him with uplifted hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to see yourself. Young people, I want you to see yourself doing well in your campuses. Passing well. Understanding the subjects. Having good friendships. The rest of you working adults, I want you to see yourself being promoted this year. This is a year of favor in the marketplace. Promotion. All the strife, the backstabbing is gone. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to see, visualize. The Bible says if you can see it, you can have it. Lord, open our eyes to see. I want you to see yourself group in revival. Yes, you've gone through many challenges. Yes, the church gone through many challenges, but we go from glory to glory to glory. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Will not prevail against your ministry. You're going to have renewed strength. As you serve Him, you're going to find the blessing of God flowing even more. Hallelujah. Just worship Him. Just sing to Him a new song. Like Abraham, just give Him all the glory. We glorify You, we glorify You. We glorify You, Jesus, Jesus. Your word to us this morning is spirit, is life. I want you to just hold your neighbor's hands right now. Just hold your neighbor's hands. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want you to just declare with your heart. Say in the name of Jesus. Come on, I want everybody in this place. Let's say it with all our hearts. Say it with faith. Say it believing confidently. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This year, 2016, will be my best year. This year, 2016, will be my best year. I am healed in Jesus' name. I'm healed in Jesus' name. My body can do what I never do before. My body can do what I never do. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'll walk in good health. I'll walk in good health. In the name of Jesus, my family is blessed. In the name of Jesus, my family is blessed. My marriage is blessed. My marriage is blessed. My job is blessed. My job is blessed. This is a year of my favor. This is a year of my favor. This is a year of my promotion. This is a year of my promotion. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I will be the head and not the tail. I'll be the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. Above and not 
Me and my church will be blessed. Me and my church will be blessed. Will you pray for your neighbors on your left, on your right? Just pray just a little bit more. Just pray for your neighbors like you had never prayed before. 2016, I declare, will be your best year yet. You can do what you have never done before. You can live the life you have never lived before. You will prosper and be in health in all things just as your soul prospers. If you believe God heard your prayers, give Him a big clap right now. Give Him praise. Hallelujah. will indeed be my best year if you believe that give God a big clap hallelujah thank you Jesus are you blessed by this week's podcast tell us at connect at chc.org.sg